Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Somehow, God is in me, and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all at once. Many religions claim that we will all eventually be gods. The Bible says something so much better. It says, no, God will continue to be God. Man will continue to be man, but God will come upon man. No way! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio, which, of course, must mean it's a Witness Wednesday. Todd out on the campus at Kennesaw State University today, and we're not going to waste a whole lot of time. Let's join him now at the campus. Matthew is smarter than I am. What are you studying? Mechanical engineering. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know what that is, let alone have the ability to do it. So what does a mechanical engineer do? A uh, mechanical engineer does a lot of different things. Like they help with the, like a lot of building of buildings, uh, car stuff. It's, it's very broad. <laughs> okay. My question for you, I want to talk to you about the afterlife. Do you believe that there is an afterlife? And if so, what is it? And if not, why not? Um, I say that there is an afterlife. Like religion aside, it's probably nice to believe in an afterlife just for the comfort if you are have fear of it. But beyond just like a comfort thing, I do think that there probably is. And I feel like that life isn't just you're just here for one moment just to be here and then there's nothing else because I it's kind of like a, I don't want to believe that. And it's also like it's kind of a mix of me not wanting to believe that this is all there is and me just kind of like just something inside me feeling like that this is not all there is. I think most people, if not all people, have that sense. This is not it. This is not the end of the of the run, that there's more. So what do you believe is on the other side of death? Um, just your spiritual self. Me personally, I believe that like on earth, you're kind of just, you're kind of just building your spirit, like through every situation, like just trying to become a better person, like, being a person who you can live as yourself within yourself and when you die you lose your fleshly self your fleshly desires and only thing left is your spirit and what your spirit is is what you've built up on earth over time that sounds a little bit like hinduism or buddhism really especially buddhism that you kind of get rid of your desires and then the next life if you've lost all of your attachments and your desires then you kind of become a part of the big collective space if you will because like i believe in like a collective and like in, in that sense of like how it's very similar to buddhism but i think getting rid of all your desires is also not the goal because i think that like you should get rid of like bad desires and like very strong desires because they can just hurt you like having like too strong of an ambition or too strong of like a desire will just lead to self-destruction of course but having no desires and just being completely neutral is also not a state to be in like there's strength found in desires and goals and aspirations and i think that you're wasting your life if you don't have those desires but you should also limit yourself so that you don't have too strong of a desire and there's a middle ground you know, you know what always kind of tripped me up with the Buddhist idea of losing all of your desires is that you have to desire to lose all of your desires. And it's like, well, then you can't because you're still desiring something. Okay, so you believe that you're working on yourself and that afterwards, do you believe in the reincarnation program? Heaven, hell? Uh, I believe in heaven and hell, but not really in like the, well, I don't know, I'm still figuring out the actual like, I guess, places 
referred to as heaven and hell i i'm getting to the point now where i just believe that it's a mindset like a mindset because how i said um you're growing your spirit to get yourself in a in a state where you can live within yourself and you are either your heaven or your hell if you're in a if you're in a space that you can be proud of you're in a state of heaven if you're in a state that you hate or like you hate yourself or like you have so many different like problems going on within you you're living in a state of hell in that sense and once you don't have the physical means to maybe like give in to like those things that you constantly go back to even though they hurt you you just have the things that hurt you without even like the reward of the flesh that it gives you let me lay this on you and you see if you agree with this i don't think anybody hates themselves even people who are having kind of a rough life the reason that they're depressed or sad is not because they hate themselves but because they think they deserve better because i think we all have this internal i kind of love myself which is why suicide is like a horrifying thought i think to everybody so i'm not sure that people hate themselves what about how do you feel about the people that feel comfort in suicide because i've met i've met some people who idealize suicide because it's a form of control for them in their perspective it's something it's an escape it's something even though it, as horrible as it is it is yeah. a safe haven yeah i think i think somebody I, I i totally i know why they're they're feeling that way it's life is so hard just release and relief from it is what they're seeking that's sometimes by the way why people cut themselves well if you know anybody who is a did any self-injury that's sometimes the motivation to be distracted from my emotional pain i'll feel some physical pain so those folks e even so though i think they would prefer to not die i think they would prefer life to be better i think deep down no one no one actually wants to die no i i agree so did you grow up in a religious home matthew you've got a religious name uh i am christian are you christian today yes i'm i grew up christian had a little like iffy part where i started to question everything but eventually like upon me doing more discovery, self-discovery, discovery of my religion, I've circled back into Christianity. Tell me the the chief tenant, the most fundamental belief of Christianity. What is it? Most fundamental belief of Christianity? What's the big deal about it that distinguishes it from everything else? I think probably the biggest thing is just Jesus himself. Like, I think most religions have like very similar aspects and like, the main part, like the main part of like how you said Buddhism and Hinduism, I see most of those elements in every other religion. They all talk about like healing yourself, healing like your spirit and growing into like the person you want to be. Like even religious aside, like you look at the Bible, it's one of the best self-help books ever. So that's one of the similarities I've seen in like all religions. But the one I guess that distinguishes it is that there's a there's a central figure and that central figure is Jesus. And who is he? Jesus, um, he's the one who laid his life down, died for our sins. He's he's the son of God. He's I don't know exactly how to like answer that in probably the way that you're looking for. I'm not looking for anything, just what you think. No, actually, you know what? I, I, I would actually I'm a Christian, so I would affirm that, too, that he's the son of God. But it's interesting, though, Matthew, you said he died for our sins. Tell me what that is all about. What's the significance of that? Mm, what do you mean by the significance? Because it, it just feels a little broad. Okay. Well, Jesus, we believe that he's God in flesh. He was beaten. He was whipped and scourged. I don't know if you're familiar, by the way. Did you ever see Mel Gibson's movie, 
uh, the Passion of the Christ. I may have. I just probably don't remember the, remember the name. It's 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 revolting, but it doesn't even come close. When they used to whip people in Roman days, they used something called the Cato Nine Tails. They were leather straps, and woven inside would be nails and pottery, and that's what people would get whipped with. So it just ripped. You would do shreds, and a lot of people just died at the whipping because they would just tear through their skin, through their muscles, and their organs would just fall out. It was nasty business. Okay, so Jesus did that, and he had his hands and feet nailed to a tree where he died. What's the significance of that? What was the point? The point The point was to show his love, essentially, because there's no, uh, in the Bible it says, there's no greater love than the one who lays down his life for another. And that's his demonstration of his love. If you didn't get it through all the things that his father did and things Jesus claimed his father did, you got it through directly from what Jesus did. Even like he stood up against like different racisms, different like segregations. He talked about loving everyone, like his whole base from his father, God, is God is love. Jesus, Jesus is love. And that's the main point that they're trying to drive home that we are love. We want you to love and we want everyone to love as one together. Here's a Bible verse for you. In this is love. So in other words, here comes the definition of love. Not that we first loved God, but that he loved us and he gave his life as a propitiation for our sins. It's a, a technical word that means he bought us back. He paid for us. We've got a debt. We are unjust people. And if justice is served on us, we have a debt we can't pay. So he bought us back. He ransomed us back. I think that's the significance of the cross. It wasn't just a demonstration of love because in a sense, Matthew, if Jesus went through that just to like express love, frankly, that almost seems like what a crazy person would do. I mean, that really isn't love if there's no benefit from it. But the benefit is that God was actually pouring out his wrath on his son on behalf of sinners like you and me so that we can be forgiven, so that justice can be satisfied. Jesus took the punishment we deserve so that we can live. That's the significance, I think, of the cross. Would you agree with that? I can see that. I don't have like a specific thing that I would agree with right now because like I said, I'm still doing like as much research as I can, like just piecing things together for myself. Fair enough. But at least you've got something to chew on because Christianity, I'm not sure it's as much like the other religions in that the other systems, whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, they all have the same component. They really do. Works. Kind of what you were describing earlier work on yourself become a better person that's what they teach and then maybe maybe if you get judged whether it's allah whether it's krishna whether it's nothing it's karma you'll either be rewarded or you'll be punished based on what you do and break stop halt yeah i know you hate it when i do that actually i do too but we do have to take a break it's like the law or something i don't know but hang tight this chat with todd and matthew isn't over yet more from kennesaw state university next on wretched radio hey isn't this groovy dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the roe v wade decision a pre-born center in buffalo was firebombed a pre-born clinic in gresham oregon was hit with an incendiary device a pre-born clinic in miami vandalized 
and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the uh, literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thank you for joining us on Wretched Radio today. You know, we've talked about it so much here on Wretched Radio. The third leading cause of death for Gen Z is suicide. They are depressed, they're anxious, they're suicidal, and they're lost. And Road Trip to Truth is here to help you understand just how to talk and witness to this generation. They have questions, and Road Trip to Truth will help you with the answers to some of the questions they're asking. Seasons 1 and Seasons 2 of Road Trip to Truth available right now at wretched.org or roadtriptotruth.org and it's only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. If you're a gospel partner already, we certainly do appreciate you and your efforts. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? Pray about it. Talk to your spouse about it and go to wretched.org donate and there you'll find answers to a lot of the questions you'll likely have. That's wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at Tomorrow Club org slash wretched important dates in Christian history 1807 the British Parliament votes to abolish the slave trade its decision is owing in large part to the tireless efforts of the Christian politician William Wilberforce Wilberforce's example spurred on abolitionist efforts in America for the next 55 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back. It is a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. When we stepped away just a few moments ago, Todd was chatting with Matthew, who says he's a Christian, but then he also said some Buddhist things as well. Let's get back to their conversation now to see where it goes. Tell me if you, you can define this term. Jesus said that unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. What do you think he meant when he said you must be born again. I think that's just, um, it's just like the same signification of like you being baptized, you going under, you losing like once you once were and, bec- and being born again into like, into him. And when you take him into your life, you essentially become born again as a different person because you've seen in many people the difference between 
before they found God and after they found God. Like the revelation is always like so great. It's like they're a completely different person. Yeah, yeah I think that's pre- that's pretty good. We come to the point where it's like I'm done with me. We want to live for God, and it's it's a 180. It's a turn. It's a dying to self. Let me encourage this. You were talking. You're trying to figure it out, and that's excellent. And Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he becomes a mechanical engineer but loses his soul? So it's important. I'm glad you're thinking about these things, that you're thinking about, like, what's going to happen. But I would encourage you, if you get to the place where you realize, you know what, actually, my good deeds aren't going to get the job done because I've lied too many times. I've stolen things. I've looked at pornography, perhaps had sex out of marriage, didn't honor my parents. I use God's name in vain. I don't have a chance. Well, then you've come to the right place and then you run to Jesus and he says, I'll rescue you now. But until you get to the point where you forsake your own efforts to get to heaven, you're not going to be saved because God wants to get all the credit for being that amazing that he would totally forgive you. Fair enough. All right. I got to bring this up because you earlier brought up, I think you used the word ethnicities or races from your understanding, Matthew. Why are there, I don't like the word races. I think there's a human race. That's it. We just have different shades of melanin. It's really the, the only difference between you and me is you got more and I got less. All right. You can't deny the cultural differences too. Well, of course not. Yeah, the, all over the globe you see that. But at its core level, you and I are the human race. There's just different ethnicities. From your perspective, why, why do we have different ethnicities? We were born in different places. True, but why, why, does, why do they... Do they serve any purpose or is it just an evolutionary process and we just have different shades of skin? It's, it, it's, it's just the regions that we lived in. Like that's like, I don't think there's much, really much thought into it. Like you live in one part of this country, so you adapt to it. That's why Africans are darker skinned because the heat and darker skin, it doesn't hurt as bad, but say someone like you, lived in Africa for a minute, like in the hotter regions, you would have a hard time. Like Right right now, actually. Yeah, you'd sunburn really easily. But me, I don't even use sunscreen very much at all. And I have I've never really had much of any problems like going to the beach, going to like just dating in like really hot places for long periods of time. I don't think there's really much anything deep other than us just being in different places and adapting to it differently. Food for thought. I think there is something deeper to it. Can you cite a time in world history where all of the ethnic groups got along perfectly? Oh, yes, I can. Um, It was before, you remember when they were trying to build a, a I don't know if it was like a tower or a stairway to heaven. And while they were doing it, God said no and snapped his fingers and everybody started speaking different languages. That was one time when everyone worked together. But then when they had their differences, they could no longer do it. And then they kind of like separated more after that. Yeah, that's a that's a great story. And 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 you're right. They some did conspire together, and God separated them. That's why we have nations with borders, because when we get together as one big collective. But what we've seen throughout history is there's always ethnic tension, whether it's black and white, yellow and red. It doesn't. There's just people that just feel superior to somebody because they have a different skin shade or they're just a different ethnicity. And we've never seen those battles cease. We just keep seeing them over and over again. Here's what the Bible says. God actually is the one who decided there's going to be different languages, different nations and different skin colors. Revelation chapter seven, I believe. 
says that in eternity, there's a sea of people that are going to be worshiping God together. And it says it's an assembly of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people are all going to be united around Jesus Christ. The first time in history that racism has been solved is because of Jesus. Because we can't get the job done. Human beings can't seem to find a pathway to peace. It's because it, Jesus uses it ultimately to go, but I can. I can bring all of these people together because when you become a Christian, your primary identity isn't black or white anymore. So I'm, a Christ, I'm a Christ one. You happen to be black. I happen to be white. But that's not what identifies me. So I'm like, I can be a, like a total brother of yours totally loving you because we're in Christ and our skin colors, our socioeconomic levels, our genders, all of that stuff just fades because of our new identity. So that's why I think there are different ethnic groups so that God can prove that he can do what man can't. I mean, I, th I think that's kind of a dumb reason to have ethnic groups, like personally, <laughs> because there's like a lot of different ways to prove that God is great. And he has proved that he is great in many other ways. Like, I feel like from your perspective in that way to think that God created, like you're basically saying God created a problem so that he could fix a problem. Well, God doesn't create problems. We do. We're the, we're the ones who have the bad attitudes, not God, but God is going to use that. You said that he created the borders and said that there will be different nations and differences, which naturally generate problems. And well, it, it, whether it's natural or intuitive, it's not the creator who's responsible for the bad behavior of the creation. I mean, I don't think he, I still think he'd be to blame in that situation. Like from your perspective, he'd still be the one to blame because like you can't say that he didn't understand that, well, that, that it would happen. No, he did. Like, no, he, he, he did. The only reason like we have problems in the first place is because of lack of understanding, which is stemmed from not literally not being able to speak the same language it's a lack of understanding like the only reason people fight is because of lack of understanding and See, the, I, I think it's more than that matthew i think it's pride that we just what i look like is the best anything that doesn't look like me isn't i think it's an attitude of pride you don't understand that we're all the same yeah i agree because we are all the same I mean, yeah, you've got some characteristics that are a little more classic with different ethnicities, but you and I are obvious. I mean, look at, we're built the same. We think we've got brains, the whole deal. We're just at a core level, we're human beings. So my contention would be, yep, God is the one who determines skin colors, but he's going to use that to ultimately show there is Martin Luther King Jr. couldn't get the job done. Civil rights legislation can't get the job done. No leader has gotten it done. Pardon me? You did a pretty good job, though. But look at us today. If there was perfect harmony, and I don't think there was in the 60s, there's still division. Nobody can get it done but Jesus Christ. I think that's the point of it. What I mean, like, you also have to look at it as a, like, a progression standpoint, too. Because in how you said uh, MLK didn't get it done, he didn't get it done in a day. Of course he didn't. Like, from where he was and where we are now, is so far farther than anyone could have ever thought before granted it's still not perfect not everyone everyone like there's still people that are racist like even people that don't understand that they are are still racist it's the same thing with jesus jesus is like the main one and like only one to bring you like salvation to like your heaven to your peace but even so he has the ability and he's gotten so many people there there's still just as many people that are not there it's a progression thing like mlk laid it out 
Jesus laid it out. All I'm saying is Jesus is going to get the job done. That's the difference. He is going to be the one. And when you think about it, just imagine if there were one man on this earth where suddenly everybody laid down their bad attitudes and and, and their pride filled attitudes and actually started loving one another. You'd go, that dude is amazing. I mean, you think Martin Luther King Jr. was a good guy. I'm talking about like total lack of hatred among people groups loving one another like a lot you'd go that's an amazing person that's jesus christ that's all i'm saying i think you can only get that through bettering yourself because when you better yourself you come into an understanding all right so maybe just some stuff for you to ponder today and think about specifically matthew about being born again that if you haven't come humbly to god through the narrow gate confessing your sins putting your trust in christ you're not born again you won't inherit the kingdom repent put your trust in jesus alone and he promises forgiveness i'll bring you in based on my merits not your own that's 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 what i'd encourage you to like all of the stuff that we talked about think about that think about your rap sheet that you have with god and what he might do with you if he opens up your books on judgment day knowing that he's going to see the thought life to boot he's not just going to see the stuff that we do he knows our brains and he keeps tabs on all of it and if he opens up the book on matthew you'd be like the rest of us just guilty jesus steps into the courtroom and is willing to pay your fine so i would encourage you to accept his terms of peace because if jesus doesn't pay for your sins you're gonna and you're never gonna get to the bottom of the debt so this is mercy this is grace this is good news this is a great offer for you that your whole life now can become oriented around the one that this world is in existence for, God himself, and you can know him. That's the good news of the gospel. So I just encourage you to think about that. Fair enough? And let us all commit to being in prayer for Matthew. Very pleasant young man, but slightly confused. We do have much more witnessing still to come. Hang tight. Stay with us. This is Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. The state of Montana no longer going to be preventing people from changing the sex recorded on their birth certificates. On Monday, the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services broke the news that they would be succumbing, at least temporarily, to a judge's April injunction that they must allow transgender individuals to make the change to their birth certificate, even without undergoing the so-called gender transition that Montana previously required. In other words, if someone wakes up today and says, you know what, I'm transgender, let me go change my birth certificate, the state of Montana must allow it. A school board in Maine has been ordered to pay $40,000 to an area father. It tried to bar from public meetings and other community functions on the school grounds for exposing the school district's adoption of radical and obscene sex-related materials in the school's library. This is a big day, settling with a parent who spoke up at a school board meeting. That's a big step, especially since parents who speak up at school board meetings have been labeled domestic terrorists. So this next story is way too obscene for me to give you all of the details, but a little sleuthing on Google, you'll be able to find the story pretty easily. The National Teachers Union LGBTQ Caucus has created a website and badge for public school employees that promotes, get this, a how-to guide for specific sexual situations. 
These are sex ed materials that schools are adopting and using. Not all schools everywhere, but a lot of schools and a lot of places. Parents, please evaluate your children's school. And if you have to move them to another school, do so. If you have to consider alternatives, you need to be doing that as well. Google this story. You'll find out exactly why I'm saying what I am. Senator Tim Scott introduced a bill this week to prevent schools from keeping a child's gender transition from their parents, which is something sweeping the nation. It's being called the Parental Rights Over Education and Care of Their Kids Act, or PROTECT for short, and it requires schools that receive federal funding to obtain parents' permission before changing a student's gender pronouns or preferred name on school forms or allowing that student to use locker rooms or bathrooms that comport with their selected gender identity. I'm not sure why anyone would oppose this. Suspected Fulani herdsmen and other terrorists have murdered three Christians in Nigeria this past weekend after slaughtering at least 22 others in the same area over the past three weeks. And other reports are indicating that more than 6,000 Christians have been displaced in this area as a result of recent attacks. As we tell you, Frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you continue to pray for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. First Timothy contains Paul's instructions to his protege for church leadership. Paul exhorts Timothy to confront and correct false teachers and to preserve sound doctrine through church structure and preaching of the word. The church has a responsibility to preserve and maintain the truth given by God in his word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we are back. It is a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. And as always, Todd and the team are out on the campus. Today, it's Kennesaw State University. So let me turn my mic off and his on and get back to the campus now. Blake, I think I may have found the most laid back guy on the entire campus. You. You're kind of chill. How come? I, I grew up just going with the flow, you know. It's kind of like that. You're a mellow dude. All right, before we jump into the conversation, tell me about your tattoos. What do you got? Uh, I have the anchor right here, and I got it for my sister because she basically raised me. And so she was my anchor, you know, helped me through a lot. I have a yin and yang wolf on my shoulder, and it's kind of like, you know, the whole there can't be darkness without light, you know, or light without darkness, you know. And then I have Psalms 23, 4 on my chest because I'm very Christian. And so I like to have that as a reminder saying that God is always with me no matter what. Psalm 23, so that's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not wait to light under my Which verse is it? It is, thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall feel no evil, because thy rod and thy staff comfort me. All right, so you're very Christian, as opposed to kind of Christian. Yes. All right. What's the difference? I mean, I don't see a difference, you know, because I'm personally, I don't believe there's such thing as a full Christian. Everyone makes mistakes. No one lives perfectly by the Bible. You know, I don't, you know, and I wear uh, my cross is broke, but, you know, I wear a cross. I have a Bible verse on my tat on my chest. You know, I used to go to church every Sunday and Wednesday when I was younger. I'm still not a perfect Christian, you know. So, so you went to church a lot as a kid. Do you still go to church? I do not know. How come? Because, uh, my, I work every day, so my only off day is on Sunday and today. But, you know, there's not a church today, so I can't really go. And then I like to just enjoy my Sundays with my family. So you grew up Christian. When you came to the university campus, how many years have you been here? Uh, first year. 
first year, so you haven't been here that long, but have you felt any pressure yet to change your thinking about your Christian faith? Not really, no. Not yet? All right. Because I've met a lot of people that say they really feel pressure to change what they believe, that they get pressed a lot to reconsider believing in any form of God. But you haven't experienced that yet. Yeah, I can't say to myself, you know, so I don't talk to many people. Well, I'm talking about the I'm talking about the professors. Uh, uh, really, I haven't noticed that at all. Yeah. My daughter uh, is taking a biology class and they were having a conversation about capitalism and socialism and that socialism is good versus capitalism in biology. And they will regularly talk about God in biology classes. So I just I, I've, I've heard a lot of students get challenged in their beliefs in classes where they would never think that they would be talking about God, like biology. I can understand talking about God or, or really Jesus and stuff, you know, in like a history class, you know, because that's a major part of history. But biology, I don't agree with that. I don't think, you know, you should be talking about religion in any other class other than, you know, a history class because hist uh, history and religion go hand in hand. You know, it, like religion has, you know, basically paved the way for you know, us, in my opinion, because, you know, you have so many different religions and so many different beliefs. And that's like where the world kind of is today. You know, it's just what do you believe in? Well, I'm going to press you and challenge you on your religious beliefs right now. Are you ready? All right. You've got Psalm 23:4 tattooed on your you said chest. All right. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. All right. So why don't you fear death, Blake? I have come to a point in my life, you know, I guess that's also why I'm really chill, you know, I'm, I'm okay with everything, you know, I have no regrets, really, everything in my life I'm okay with, so, and I know that um, I, I would assume, you know, that I have led my life through the Lord, and He will take me up to heaven, so when I, it's my time to go, you know, I'm ready to go, and I feel like So you'd consider yourself to be a good person? Somewhat, yes. Can I challenge you on that? How many lies do you think you've told in your life, Blake? Too many to count. Too many to count. All right. So if I told too many lies to count, what what name would you give me that rhymes with pants on fire? I guess a liar. Yeah. Right. So I tell lies. I'm a liar. You've told lies. You're a liar. Right. Stolen anything in your life. Have not. It doesn't matter the value, by the way. So if it's a pencil from somebody else, coins from your parents, pocketbook, whatever, doesn't matter what it, what it's worth. Did you take anything that didn't belong to you? I've sold a couple of pens from work. All right. All right. Because God wouldn't be impressed with the value. You know, a pen doesn't matter to him. If you steal that building, he's not impressed. It's the heart, right? Okay. So you've stolen things. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Yes. While you've been sitting here today? So uh, you've looked with lust. Have you ever taken God's name in vain, used his name as a, like a filth word? Uh, actually, I can honestly say I've never have. That is my like one thing I will never do. I, under I understand that. Have you ever desired things that didn't belong to you? Oh, of course. That's coveting. Did you always honor authority, whether it's your mom and dad, those, those people who are in authority over you? Were you always able to treat them honorably? Yes. I really, I really. I don't know why I put the microphone to my mouth. All I did was just give you a look. You sure? Yeah, I can say that honestly. So you never sass mouth your big sister. Okay. Yes, a big sister. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so you're talking about anyone older than me or in charge of me. Yes. You know, then no, I can't say I've. I, you know, I have done that. Then. All right. Now let's just let's just sum this up a little bit. 
you told me you're a liar. You confessed to me you're a thief. You're a luster, right? Because Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. So you're an adulterer at heart. And you said you're a good person. These two aren't matching up. Which is it? Are you a lawbreaker or a good person? In my eyes, okay, and what I've, you know, learned from Christianity and stuff, there is nothing you can do that can't be forgiven other than murder that, and committing suicide. Those are the two like ultimate sins. So no matter what I do sitting here in this chair today, as long as I ask for forgiveness, God will forgive me. So in his eyes, I'm still a good person as long as I ask for forgiveness. Explain to me how that works. I just like to understand that because I'm thinking that's like appearing before a judge guilty and just saying, judge, I'm sorry. And the judge goes, then you're forgiven. That doesn't seem just to me. So how is it right for a good God to just forgive somebody who tells lies and lusts and steals stuff? Because those aren't ultimate sins. Because they're what? They're not ultimate sins. They're not, I'm not killing myself. I'm not murdering somebody. I'm not harming other people. But that aside for a second, how can a just judge just dismiss court cases? That is not just. So how is it that God just forgives you because you say you're sorry? If a criminal stood before a judge and said, judge, yep, I've broken the laws, but I'm sorry, the judge is going to say, you should be sorry, but you're still a guilty criminal and you've got to pay your fine. So how is it that God could just forgive your lawbreaking committed against him? All right, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. If you committed a crime, okay, and you went up to your parents and said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, that whole hoopla, you know, would they not forgive you? Or do you think they would? Oh, yeah, probably. Okay. God is our father. He is our ultimate parent. He will forgive us no matter what. Let me just see if I can reason with you on that thought just for a moment. And this could have a good ending. In fact, this could have a better ending than the current scenario. God is more than our father. He's also the just judge of all the earth. And he is going to open up the law books on everybody. When they die, there will be a judgment. So he'll know everything that you've thought, everything that you've done, every deed done in darkness, every image you've looked at on the internet. He knows it all. And because he's just, he upholds righteousness. The foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. He can't just dismiss law-breaking crimes against him. He must exact a punishment. That's what justice demands. So God is our father. And I'll also say this, God desires to forgive sinners, but because he's also holy and just, he can't turn a blind eye to justice. He must punish lawbreakers. He can't just forgive them because when you grow up going to church a lot, all right? What did they teach you that God did so that your sins, your crimes against him could be forgiven? What did God do for you? Um, I consider Jesus and God two different people, but Jesus died for our sins. So they were all forgiven at that point. That's the key right there. Okay, that somebody paid your fine. Somebody satisfied your debt. God can't just dismiss it. That's unjust. But he poured out the wrath that you deserve on his son so that you could be forgiven. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And that's why you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear being judged by God because Jesus was judged for you and your sins can be forgiven. That's how God can forgive us. Now, the question is, Blake, 
how do I get that forgiveness from God? So if I asked you, I sat down, you're the most laid back guy in all of Georgia. How do I get forgiven by God? What would you tell me? Accept him into your heart. What does that mean? It means basically realize he's real. Okay. I wouldn't use his name in vain. You know, don't ever think that he doesn't exist. You know, I understand that sometimes you're going to have questions and everything, but you have to full heartedly believe that God is there by your side, no matter what. And as long as you believe in him, he believes in you. This seems like the perfect place to take a break. Yeah, I know, I know. But the quicker we take the break, the quicker we get back to the witnessing. Stop arguing with me. More Witness Wednesday next on Wretched Radio. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Masters Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. You know, there are a ton of things people partner in. Some have business partners, some have workout partners. We all need accountability partners. Then you have partners in crime, not something I recommend, or marriage partners, something I do recommend. And then, of course, we can't forget about the Wretched Gospel Partner. Our gospel partners, that would be many of you, provide us with the ability to do what we're able to do. You faithfully helped us reach millions of people all over the world with resources like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, Breaking Bread, Wretched Worldview, The Drive-By Series. I could keep going, but we'd be here far too long. Plus, I think you already get the point. Without you, there is no Wretched so we humbly thank you for your support. If you're not already an ongoing Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Just hit up wretched.org slash donate to find answers to many other questions you may have. That's wretched.org slash donate. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare? dot com slash wretched affordable biblical health sharing christians paying for other christians medical bills which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff second of all you can save on average five hundred dollars per month and finally metashare it's the gold standard for health care sharing for more than 25 years it works and the members including myself and mrs freel love it which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance if inflation has got you down call up the people at metashare 844-34-BIBLE or metashare.com slash wretched attributes of god 
God is omniscient, meaning he knows all things. He knows all things past, present, and future. God does not learn new information, and nothing takes him by surprise. He knows what will happen and is working all things for his glory and the good of those who love him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we return to Witness Wednesday here on Wretched Radio. Todd and Blake, they've been having a great conversation. Todd and Blake have been having a very nice chat on the campus of Kennesaw State University. So let's join them again now. If you're flying in an airplane and the thing starts sputtering and they announce it's going down, but there's a parachute that's at the door for you, would you believe in the parachute or would you put it on? I repeat the question. You're going to crash in an airplane, but there's a parachute available. What would you do with that parachute? I'd give it to someone that needed it more than me. Well, that's that's very kind of you, but you're the you're the only, I'm you, the only person. On that's planet. it. You're the only person. I, I would use it, obviously. You'd put it on. Yeah. Would you just accept it into your heart? Yeah, I'd I'd put faith in that parachute because either way, if you look at it, I'm crashing on an airplane or I'm going to fall to my death. Okay. Either either way, I'm dying. If that parachute fails and that plane is already falling, so there's better luck of me taking that parachute and jumping out and pulling that string. Right. You know, and if it fails, it fails. But you'd you'd put it on. You wouldn't just sit there and go, "I believe that parachute could save me." But you'd act on it. You'd you'd actually put it on. The Bible describes belief as a wholehearted trust, a surrendering of self and will and our lifestyle and our way of doing things and putting your trust completely in Jesus Christ. So that's the faith that the Bible talks about to receive that forgiveness. Have you exercised that kind of faith in Jesus Christ? Yes. When did you do that? I feel like I, you know, do it every day. You know, I put faith in him every single day. I got a question for you. Blake, you said you think of God and Jesus as I think you said something like two different things. Two, two different people, because some religions believe that God is Jesus or Jesus is God. I don't believe that. I believe God is one person. Jesus is another. Could you explain that a little bit more for me? I really can't. That's all I can really. Uh, that's the only way I know how to explain it, because um, I've heard over you know my years of growing up and stuff that you know religions believe that Jesus is God. And then some religions believe that God and Jesus are different people, you know, instead of God being Jesus' father. Okay. They believe that Jesus is God. So therefore Jesus is our father, you know, are you familiar with the word Trinity? Mm -hmm. Do you know what it means? I do not, but I'm familiar with it. Trinity is tri-unity, three-unity, three-in-one. Trinity, yeah, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay. That's that right, yeah, yeah. So it's three, we see three distinct persons. We see the Father, we see the Son, we see the Holy Spirit acting as, if you will, different entities, separate persons, better said. And yet, the Bible says God is one. So the title Trinity was applied to what we see in the Bible that God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Holy Spirit, not three gods, one God in three persons. That's the doctrine of the Trinity, which means Jesus is fully God, but he's a different person than the Father, although they are one, because Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And yet, for instance, at Jesus' baptism, the Father's voice from heaven 
as the dove, the Holy Spirit descended on him, said, this is my beloved son. So we see the father, we see the son, we see the Holy Spirit, but God is one. It's a bit of a mystery, but that's the way that God is presented in the Bible. Three gods or three, three persons, one God. That's the Trinity. Does that clarify your understanding? Mm -hmm. Is that the God you believe in? Yes. So Blake, the most laid back guy on the campus, you haven't gotten upset with me yet. You've thought about it, though, haven't you? Not really. <laughs> All right. So as I walk away from here, beyond the shadow of a doubt, you have put your wholehearted trust in Jesus Christ. You have turned from your sins and you've put your trust in him. Your sins are forgiven. You're going to heaven because of Jesus Christ. Correct? Correct. Good. All right, mate. Thanks for chatting with me. You're welcome. Thank All you. Right. Okay, question. What's your initial reaction regarding Blake? You know, whether you think he's lost or saved or confused. Whatever it is, you should be motivated to pray for that young man. We don't know for sure, but we do know that prayer is not a bad thing. So be praying for Blake. And while you're at it, you can pray for me too. And hey, we do still have some time left. So let's go back out to the campus and see what's happening. Lauren from Livonia, Georgia. You grew up in the Bible Belt. Were you trained up based on the Bible or some other religious system? Um, I was raised Jehovah's Witness. Is that right? Are you still a Jehovah's Witness? No. How come? Um, I just didn't agree with the way things would happen. You'd get kind of like kicked out and your family couldn't talk to you if you sinned too hard. And I didn't like to see some of my friends go through that. Wow. So did you get kicked out? No, I didn't. I was never baptized. Okay. So is your family Jehovah's Witness? No, not even. What, what happened? One of our family friends is really close to us. He's about my brother's age. This happened to him and we just didn't like what was happening and we all kind of just drifted apart from it. So are you practicing any religion today? Not really. Do you believe in God? I do. Who do you think God is? Um, I do believe in a creator. And so I believe that there has to be a God or a central point. So I believe in one almighty, I guess. Do you have a name for that almighty? Is it Christian, Muslim, Buddhist. It's Christian. So the Bible would be your source of knowledge and information. Yes. So how does one, in your opinion, become a Christian? Um, they start practicing a Christian lifestyle, studying the word, getting saved or baptized. Okay, what does that mean? To just be kind of reborn into your faith with Jesus. What does that look like? Uh, I don't know. So let's say, Lorna, I approached you and I said, I understand you're a Christian. I'd like to be a Christian too. First of all, tell me why I should become a Christian and then tell me how I become a Christian. I'm not very Christian myself, like, so I don't really know how to answer this. <laughs> okay. okay, so you said something, I think you said something like you've got to be born again. Did you use that phrase? Yeah, I did. What does that mean? It was just like, I guess, um, getting rid of your old lifestyle and transforming into someone that walks with God. I'll do a quickie and then I'll let you scoot. All right. I'm a Christian. So let's just say you're not a Christian and you ask me those questions. Okay. This is, this is what I would say to you. I would say, I agree with you. There's a creator because there's a creation. I know that something transcendent exists because we have morals that we agree on. So there must be a moral lawgiver. So I've, I've intuited God exists. Now I believe that God is revealed in 
the Bible. And the Bible reveals something that's kind of hard for us to swallow. It says, nobody does good, no, not one. That every single person breaks God's laws. They don't meet his standard of holiness and perfection. And because this God is holy and righteous and just, you and I, we tend to hate things like seeing slaughters of people or children molested. We hate that. And so does God. But he hates all violations of his law. So like lying and stealing, cheating, lusting, they're all sins. And he dislikes it because he's so holy. And he must give to people who break his laws what they've earned for themselves. Their wages of sin is death. So you and I, left to ourselves because we've broken God's laws, we deserve death, everlasting punishment because God is that holy and righteous and just. But God is rich in mercy. And he wants to demonstrate how loving and kind he is. And he did that by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for sinners. In other words, Jesus took the punishment that you and I deserve when he died on the cross so that our court case with the judge could be dismissed. You and I have broken God's laws. Jesus paid our fine, totally forgiven, debt-free, and even granted his righteousness so that you and I can be adopted into God's family. That's what I would say to you. You should want to become a Christian because Jesus Christ is God and God died for you, a sinner, because he's that good. And then I would say in order to be forgiven by God, you must repent, turn from your sins, not in perfection, but because you don't want to do those things because your God had to die for you for those things. And you put your trust in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible describes as being born again. You move from death to life, from darkness to light, being a sinner to being considered in the eyes of God a saint, not because you are perfect, but because Jesus credits you with perfection. So you repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ. You're adopted into God's family and you inherit eternal life. That's what I would say to you. It's probably a better answer. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you a question then. The repenting and putting your trust in Jesus. Have you done that? Um, No. How come? I don't know. I just haven't, I guess, done it or been really interested in doing it. I'm not sure. I'm just like, don't really think about it. Well, I bumped into you providentially today. Maybe something to think about today that I don't know what your understanding was before with the Jehovah's Witnesses, but what I just described for you was God loving you enough to die for you, a sinner. And that's why you should be interested in it, because then you'd be pursuing it in a relationship with the best thing in the universe. And that's a really good offer. So perhaps ponder that today, that if you're not forgiven, God will give you what you deserve, hell, but he offers you everlasting life in his son. That's biblical Christianity. And Lauren, if you've never heard that, it's really good news. That's not what Jehovah's Witnesses teach, but that's what the Bible teaches. By grace, you can be saved through faith in Christ because God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Something for you to think about today, huh? All right. Well, I'm glad I bumped into you. Thank you for letting me talk to you. Okay. All right. Thank you. Right. See you, Lauren. Whew. You know, I've asked you to pray for Matthew and Blake already today, but even more so, let us be in prayer for Lauren. She's at least out of the cult of the Jehovah's Witness system, but let's pray that she heard Todd regarding her need of a Savior. What a really good Witness Wednesday. It was kind of like Todd Witness to an old country buffet today. Unfortunately, though, we are out of time, but we will have more Witness Wednesday next week and more Wretched Radio tomorrow. 
Until then, go serve your king. <laughs>